podium set up. Um, we had a big event this uh, last Sunday, a week from the day, uh, with Tucker Treats. And I said, I hope 300 kids don't show up. If you were here, you know what happened. We had like 800 kids show up last Sunday. It was, uh, um, it was an incredible opportunity to love our city. We met a lot of awesome people. It was, uh, it, it just, it was a great day. Before we jump into Jeremiah 31, let me tell you of a moment. We're talking today about a new thing. I remember a moment in, in life. Now I'm, I'm 42, so I'm not. I'm, I, I'm on the edge of the um, generation X. Gen X, and the Millennials. I'm right on the edge of that. They call me a shoulder generation. There was a moment in my life where I knew things were changing. Something new happened. I am a huge technology nerd. I love technology. I have computers. I've always had a computer. I'm always watching technology. I'm reading about it. I love tech. And, I mean, I every single year, to my kids' um, chagrin, I watch Apple's announcements. Oh, you know, what are they announcing today? I remember watching Steve Jobs back in the day announce the very first iPhone. It had to be, what, 2007. And I'm watching the presentation. Came out of nowhere. I'm watching. He has this thing in his hand. He's like, you push and you do, and he's doing all the things. It was the beginning of smartphones as we know it. I'm watching this presentation. I'm like, this is a new thing. This is going to change the world. I said, I'm not telling you. This is going to change the world. She's like, it's just a like, big change the world. Some of you remember back in the day, if you wanted to drive to Texas, you might order a trip tick from AAA. Remember those? The little booklet thing you had to go read through and tell you, like, drive on these roads and take I-70, like all the things. Then after that, we got internet and we had MapQuest, right? You'd print it off at home. But still, it was very limited. If you left the MapQuest directions, you were in danger. <laughs> and when you, when you drove somewhere, when you went somewhere, let's say you, you stopped to sleep in Memphis or you stopped in St. Louis, you didn't know nothing about nothing. You don't know where to eat. You don't know if there's a stinking Myers. If they have Myers in St. Louis, I don't know. You don't know where nothing is. So you have to ask the hotel person. Uh, is there a place to eat? Is there a coffee shop? Is there a grocery store? Because you didn't know nothing about nothing. I remember watching him demo that iPhone. He's like, man, I'm in a new town. I want a Starbucks. I have the Starbucks. And little, little, little pins fell and showed you every coffee shop around you. And I'm like, change the world. It was something new. And listen, most people have one of these things in their pockets now. Smartphones changed the way we are connected. It, changed, it really brought something new to the world. It changed the world as we knew it. In Jeremiah 31, he is going to talk about a new thing. And the new thing he's going to talk about is equally, well, not equally, it's way more so world-changing. So before we get to Jeremiah 31, let's break down who Jeremiah is. Jeremiah is a prophet of God, often called the weeping prophet. What a nickname. His nickname was the weeping prophet because 
he had an awful life. Jeremiah was told at the beginning of his ministry, God called him and said, you must speak my message to Judah. So Jeremiah, he lives in the southern kingdom of Judah. He's in the south. The northern kingdom of Israel is already dead. Assyria wiped at the north. Judah is the last guy standing. Jeremiah begins his ministry after the revivals of Josiah. Remember that little kid who found the Bible in the temple and they brought Israel back? Jeremiah was there for that. That's when his ministry started, with doing those revivals. But Jeremiah is told, you will preach to my people. You will preach about the upcoming judgment of God on the land, and no one is ever going to listen to you. So he preaches his heart out, and no one ever turns. This guy is pastoring a church in the middle of nowhere, and there's like, it's just like 10 people, and they're all related to him. That's this guy's life. And the church never grows. No one ever gets saved. No one ever gets baptized. This guy is faithful to the work, and he never sees God do anything. The weeping prophet. Not only does no one respond, but the professional prophets of the day call him a liar. See, the king had his own prophetic school, okay? And the prophets would say to Jeremiah, Jeremiah's a liar. He's unpatriotic. He's preaching against us when God really is for us. There's a verse in Jeremiah that says the, the, the false prophets would say, peace, peace, when there was no peace. The false preachers would say, the temple's in the, in the backyard. God would never let anything happen to us. We are safe, so do whatever you want. God's got our back. So not only Jeremiah, no one listens to him, but he's called a liar. He is, uh, among the prophetic uh, school, he is unloved and pushed out. Eventually, he will be arrested, thrown into a, a, a dry well, sink in, up to mud to his head. And Jeremiah, when Jerusalem falls, and it does, Jerusalem is attacked the walls are torn down. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come and wipe Jerusalem out. He's still in the stinking pit. It's not the Jews who set him free. It's the Babylonians who get him out of there. They're like, oh, hey, dude, what are you doing down there? They pull him out and let him go. That's this guy's life. Not only that, then he's there in Jerusalem. There's no one left. And people are coming out of their hiding spots. And there's like a, a group of like exiles, maybe a thousand strong, of these people who survived the war. They're like, what do we do? And the leaders come to Jeremiah and say, listen, go to God and ask God, what should we do now? So Jeremiah goes, okay, if you want me to, I'll go to God. So he goes to God, he prays, and God warns them, whatever you do, don't go to Egypt. Literally, you read it. Whatever you do, do not go to Egypt. If you go there, you'll all die. And he goes, listen. You asked me to pray. I prayed. Here's God's word. And they're like, man, you're a liar. Egypt's awesome. And they all go to Egypt. Like this guy, even as an old man, they take him, they take him to Egypt and he will die in Egypt, away from the promised land with no one. He never has a win, this guy. Like there's no W's in his column. The weeping prophet. Jeremiah 30 to 33 is an individual scroll. You see, if you read a big book of Jeremiah, you'll notice it'll say in the middle of the book, it'll say, 
write the words you hear. Look, I'm in the middle of the book. Why are you writing right now? Jeremiah is made up of many different oracles. Each oracle would be its own scroll. And his followers would take these scrolls, put them together to make the book of Jeremiah. It's made up of many different scrolls, okay? Well, this scroll is often called the book of hope, the book of consolation. In Jeremiah 30, Jeremiah says to the people, someday God will bring you back to the land, the promised land. Jeremiah 30 is God's like, I'll restore you to the land. Jeremiah 31 is different. Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah says, listen, not only God will bring you back to the land, but God's going to bring you back to himself. And in Jeremiah 31, the prophet looks beyond Babylon and beyond Persia and beyond Jerusalem and beyond the ages, and he's going to prophesy about a time far, far away when God does something new. Let's talk about the new. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. This new covenant is not like the old. When something new happens, the new thing replaces the old thing. It's very simple, right? If I buy, what do we buy in life? I don't know. You know what? When I moved to my house, we had, and we had one bathroom, in our, oh, two bathrooms, one and a half bath. But the upstairs bathroom had a little tiny midget toilet. So I bought a new toilet. And it was like tall. There's a word for it at Home Depot. Tall? High-rise? I don't know what it's called. But the kings of Egypt didn't have a toilet as good as I have in my house. Um, this toilet, is, it's just a good, it's awesome, it's new. And you know what I did? I didn't keep the old toilet and like put it next to it as a decoration. I threw the old one away because the new one replaced the old one, right? Actually, it took me like a week to change that toilet. Remember that? I had a toilet in the bathtub and the new toilet wouldn't fit. It was a, I'm not a plumber. Um, but the old replaced the new. And when, when Jeremiah tells the Jews, when he says there's this new covenant coming and it's not like the old, that must have felt so sacrilegious. Because the old covenant is the, it's the covenant of Moses. Every, so when the Jews leave Israel, let me say this for free before I go on. We're going back in time. We're walking through Jewish history. Just so you know, if you're a Christian, if you love Jesus, the story of the Jews is your story too. As followers of Christ, we are siblings of the Jewish people. So as followers of Christ, just so you know, there is no place for anti-Semitism anywhere in our hearts. The Jews did not kill Jesus. The Romans did not kill Jesus, Okay? The Bible says no one took his life. He laid his life down. There are some believers who talk trash to the Jewish people. 
if you're a Christian, Abraham's our boy, and Moses is our boy, and there should be no anti-Semitism anywhere found in Christian folk, okay? That's for free. Moving on. So, <laughs> Jeremiah tells the Jewish people, a new covenant's coming. Not like the old. Everything Moses gave you on Sinai, the dietary laws, the sacrificial system, the temple in the backyard, all of that is part of the old thing, and something new is coming. Listen, that's all they know. All they know is the temple. All they know is the priesthood. All they know is the killing of animals every day. How can we get rid of all these things that are part of our lives? And God goes, listen, something new is coming, and it's not like the old. Because this old thing you were given, it says, my covenant that they broke. The covenant God gave Israel was, listen, I will be your God if you will be my people. And they never kept their side of the bargain. God said, if you'll be faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. The reason Jerusalem fell is because the people never, ever turned to God. Ever. If you, okay, we've been reading the Old Testament for the last year. Someone told me, this has been a really hard thing, reading this Old Testament straight through, because it's a book of just sadness. Like, you read the Old Testament, it's just people never, ever listening to God. It's, you, you read it, and it's, it's frustrating. You're like, somebody, somewhere, has to love God. Somewhere. Nope. Ever, even the best dudes, Abraham, David, fumble the ball majorly. Majorly. Israel is a nation. They break the covenant. God says, I'll love you. And, and Israel's like, I'll love you. Oh, and they just leave all the time. They just, they just wander away. The old covenant's being replaced because it never was kept. So this old, this new covenant is different than the old covenant. Now, verse 33. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, because the Lord I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. Where was the old law written? Tablets of stone, Ten Commandments, right? Charlton Heston? Like, the, the, like the, it was literally, it was carved in stone. And the people, even though God wrote it, they didn't care. And what happens is, Jeremiah realizes, even if God Let's just go back to the promised land. There's a deeper issue in us. There's something inside of us that is hell-bent on disobedience. Something in us loves to leave. Something in us <laughs> likes to blow our life up. We as a people, and listen, we can't point at Israel and laugh at them because we have that same thing in us. We are a self-destructive people. We take the good things and we find a way to make them bad. We're afraid of the good. We're afraid. There's this great, there's this great observation in that, in that classic film, The Matrix, where, um, uh, it's a classic, what are you going to do? In that film, there's an observation 
that says the machines made a simulation that was all good and people rejected it. They don't, people didn't know how to live without suffering and awfulness. We are broken deep, deep down. Even if we have all the best information, even if we know the right thing to do, we will find a way to mess it up. That's who we are. We find a way to break it. God says, listen, this new covenant, it's not going to be on stone. This new covenant is going to be a new heart. I've got to take that old heart out of you and give you something new because you are incapable. You are incapable of loving me. You are incapable of being faithful to me. You just can't do it. This new covenant someday I'm going to give you, I'm going to reach inside of you and change the core of who you are. Holy cow. How's that going to happen? Jeremiah says, I'm going to stinking write this on your heart. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 34, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. This is a weird thing. In the old covenant, in the Jewish world, there were mediators, go-betweens. There were priests and prophets. If you wanted to talk to God, you went to a priest, said, priest, tell the Lord my dad is sick. Priest, tell the Lord the crops are dying. You went to a priest, and the priest went to the Lord on your behalf. You couldn't go into God's presence. You were a nobody. The, the sanctuary, the tabernacle in the wilderness, in the tabernacle, only the priest could go in. And in the tabernacle, in the sanctuary, there's this holy place in the middle where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the glory of God dwelt. And not even the priest could go in there. Only the high priest go in there once a year. Like God's presence is really far away from you. And there's a, if I want God's attention, I'm going to send a priest as a mediator. If I want to hear from God, I go to a prophet and say, prophet, tell me what God said. There are all kinds of go-betweens. The common person cannot go to the Lord. That was the world in Israel. Imagine, if you will, being a little kid in the desert You've been set free from slavery. You're wandering to the promised land. And at night comes in the desert. I've been in the desert. I've been out west by Death Valley. When the sun goes down, the temperature drops by like 30, 40 degrees. It's nuts. And if you're far enough away from like Vegas. Um, so in, in Flint, when, it, when the light goes down, we still have something called light pollution, right? The light hits the air. You can't see. If you go out into the desert when the sun goes down, it's truly dark. It's kind of horrifying. Um, <laughs> listen, I always say, I'm not scared of the hood, but I'm scared of the wood, baby. Um, I'm scared of outside in the dark, man. I can't. I can't. I won't. I won't. Um, I'll, fight, I'll fight a cracker. I'm not going to fight a bear. Um, so, but in the desert, they're out there in the dark, but in the middle of the camp, there's a light. There's a bright light. And listen, there's no electricity in this world. But there's a bright light because God's glory is in his tabernacle. And everyone camps around God's tabernacle. They see the light of God. They know God is with us. 
But even though I can see him, and even though he's that close, I can't go talk to him. Only the priest can go near that light. And only the high priest can go actually into the light. I am far from God. But here it says in this new covenant, there'll be a new mediator. It says this, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, saying, you must know the Lord. Instead, everybody shall know me. In the new covenant, you've got to go to the priest. It says, from the least to the greatest, anyone can go to God. Anarchy. Like, the line must be forever long. In the new covenant, there's no longer, it's no longer I must go to someone who's holy to go to God. And under the new covenant, the peasant, the fool, the drunk, can wander into God's presence. And what does a new covenant bring? It says this, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I'll remember their sin no more. This new covenant brings a new forgiveness. Listen, in chapter 30, one chapter before, this is what it says about the sins of Israel. Chapter 30, verse 12. For thus says the Lord, your hurt is incurable, your wound is grievous, there is none to uphold your cause, there's no medicine for your wound, no healing for you. All your lovers have forgotten you, they care nothing for you, for I have dealt you the blow of an enemy, the punishment of a merciless foe, because your guilt is great and your sins are flagrant. Why do you cry out for your hurt? Your pain is incurable because your guilt is great, because your sins are flagrant. Chapter 30, it says there's no forgiveness. Your sin is so big, there's nothing to wipe it out. And here it's saying, I'm going to wipe it out. Chapter before, he's saying, the wound is incurable. Chapter before, God's saying, you've been so evil, there's no hope. And we've all felt that, right? I've crossed a line, and I can't go back. I was uh, in Bible college. I was a, um, a bad kid. I went to Bible school, got in a lot of trouble. I got in a lot of trouble. I got every, what do they call that thing when they give you a, every probation they got, I got. Academic probation, behavioral probation, uh, chapel probation, everything. I, 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 I broke every rule that school had. <laughs> believe it. Um, so, I was known to be a very rebellious kid. Something weird happened to me at Bible school, though. When people would blow their life up, because at Bible school, a lot of these kids were good Christian kids, grew up in a Christian home, and did good things most of their lives, right? They go to college, they're in Chicago, and they make their first real mistake. Like a real sin, not a little baby sin, but a real sin. And they feel guilty. I have done evil unto the Lord. They didn't know who to tell because everyone will judge me because they're all good. Now I'm bad. Guess where they would go? 
Well, Ernesto sucks. We can't judge me. They come to my room. I'm serious. They come to my room because they thought, Ernesto, you're terrible. Tell me what to do now. <laughs> I'm not lying. They come to me because they thought, you can't judge me because you're worse than me. I'm like, ah, oh, welcome to the party. But they'd come into my room. And they'd say, I have crossed the line. I have done evil. How, how can God love me? I've done these terrible things. And I always had to tell these kids, you've been this bad the whole time, just didn't know it. Like you thought God loved you because you were good. That was never the reason God loved you. You've always been this broken. Now you're just aware of it. It says in Jeremiah 31, this new covenant, that God, the point of this new covenant is for God to forgive the sins of his people. But I, I mean, forgive, like, like, even in the sacrificial system of Israel, you brought animals like every day. Every year with Day of Atonement, every year the high priest would go before the Lord, offer sacrifice for the whole nation. You never ever dealt with all the sins. Back in the old, old covenant, it was like paying bills. Are the bills ever all paid? No! You pay. It's, it's like, you know, what, you know what the old covenant sin was like? Laundry. Is the laundry ever done? No! Because no! what I'm wearing is still dirty. Like, it's, it, that's what... Sin, I could say sorry for sin. Yesterday's sin, and I'm leaving the temples on my toe. But then, oh man, I did it again. Like, that's sin. We are plagued with it. We are full of it. And it's like, how can I be truly forgiven? And, Jesus, and God says here, the new covenant I'm going to give you someday, I'm going to forgive you. So what is the new covenant? Jeremiah says, in this prophecy, he says, Take the scroll and wrap it up, and someday you'll know what it means. And they waited for a thousand years. What is he talking about? It is November 6th. Coming up next month is Christmas time. Some of us are ready to listen to Christmas music. I'm with you. <laughs> we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Christmas time. The songs are great because Jesus brings, he is the bringer of the new covenant. Jesus is the bringer of the new covenant. Listen, first it says what? It says the new covenant will write a new law on our hearts. Listen, in Christ, when you become a follower of Christ, the Lord says, I will put my spirit within you. The Christian life is not a call to try really hard to be good. We can't do it. Being good is an impossible task. Instead, when you meet Jesus, the Lord, he puts his spirit in you. Gives you this new, takes that old heart of stone and throws it away, puts a new heart in you. And this new heart, he can touch and mold. It can change. We can change. I always say, people never change, but God can change people. The natural story of things says, where I come from is who I am. That's what the world teaches. I dated a girl in college. Sorry, I bring this up. I'm sorry. Okay. I dated a girl in college. And her family... Kabosh it. Her family goes, don't date this guy. 
he comes from abuse, he will be an abuser. And listen, in the world, that's generally true, isn't it? You're, kidding, you're the son of a drunk, you become a drunk. Your child alcoholic, you become alcoholic. This is the normal way of the world. But the Spirit of God can come and change the core of who we are. Write a new story. Christ sends his spirit into normal people and makes us new. In Christ, we have a new heart. Now listen, can you ignore the new heart? Yes, you can. I don't know why you want to, but you can, you, you can quench the spirit. Jesus said, no one lights a light and puts it under a basket. Because back in the day, when, there's, when in the, when the electricity, you light a candle to see stuff. The point of a candle is to shine. Now, can you hide the light? Sure you can. But why would you do that? You can hide the light. You can ignore the spirit within you. But what a life of awfulness. I would say, if you're a believer in Christ and you're living in re repetitive, consistent, unrepentant sin, you will be miserable. Because the hounds of heaven will chase you every waking moment. Running from God is hard because, man, those dogs, they be barking. They chase the people of God. The new covenant has come, and Christ has given new hearts to his children. That's our hope. Not that we are awesome, but the spirit within us brings true change. That we, in coming near that fire, the old things are melting away. We can grow. I don't care if you're stinking 12 or 80 years old. The things you think, the wounds that are the deepest can be touched and they can be healed. They can. The new covenant brings a new heart. The new covenant also brings a new mediator. Listen. You don't need to come to Pastor Nesto to talk to Jesus. I don't have... Back in when I was watching TV when I was a kid, there was a 1960s show called Batman. The original Batman with the pow, right? The wham, the good one. Uh, but, uh... And there was this phone, this red phone, he'd pick it up and it would call Commissioner Gordon. It was a direct line to the commish. Doom. Listen, I don't have that phone. I'm just a person just like you. And the access I have to the Lord, you have the very same access. Listen, it says, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbors, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. You can, every one of you, you can go to the Lord in prayer with your hurts, your cares, your fears. You can cast them upon the Lord. You can do that. You should do that. You can draw near to the Lord and be known by Him. Back before I had children, I was a tough guy. Um, I hate, I, I would never cry. I'd always like, if it would start coming up, like, get down there. I just I held it down. Having kids softens a man, so I'm, I'm softer now. Now I cry watching, like, kids' cartoons. Um, 
man, I've, commercials have got me before. Go on, man, commercials are beautiful. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, but my daughter was asking one day, she's, because um, when the kids get hurt, you know who they run to? Mom. They run to mom. Mom, I got to, they run to mom. And I'm like, I'm right here. And they don't care, mom. <laughs> and so my, the kids asked me one day, you know, dad, you know, we run to mom when we're hurt. And I, we've, they've seen mom come to me when she's struggling. And they're like, well, what do you go, dad, when you're hurt? And part of me wanted to say, well, I don't hurt. Like, one of my lines was, you can't hurt steel. I always said, I used to be my, my go-to line, you can't hurt steel. And then, uh, well, yeah, it's not true. Um, I'm not steel. I'm a person. I told my, and that, instead of saying you can't hurt steel and being all tough and proud, I said, you may not see it, but your dad cries a lot. And I cry. Like, there's this beautiful picture where John lays his head on Jesus' side at the Last Supper. I love laying my head there. And that's where I cry. I go to prayer, and that's where I have my tears. That's where I Because life is hard, and sometimes it's scary. And I might walk around with a smile on my face, but listen, I have the same hurts anyone else has. I just know where to lay them. I can't. That weight is too much for any of us. You can go to the Lord. You can cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And it says, now forgive their iniquity. I'll remember their sin no more. If you are in Christ, you are forgiven. That's, that's a big deal. In our home, when I mess up, I say I'm sorry. And I ask the horrifying question, will you forgive me? I ask it to my wife. I ask it to my children. Do you forgive me? I put the power in their hands. They can say no. That's scary. What if they say no? Do you forgive me? No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> when we do something wrong, the feeling of guilt is a powerful thing. For me, guilt might be one of the most... The Bible says a godly grief, godly guilt leads to repentance. Worldly guilt leads to death. When Peter had guilt for denying Christ, he ran to Christ after he rose again. Judas had guilt. You know what he did? He killed himself. Guilt can destroy you. Honestly, some of my wife's uh, biggest fights I've ever had is I mess up, I feel terrible, and double down being awful because of the guilt in my own heart. No lie. Or because I feel guilty, I run away, I, I pull away, I withdraw. How can God forgive such wicked sinners? Thanks be to God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Because in the cross, he said those words we must never forget. It is finished. It is finished. We learn this in Isaiah, right? By his wounds, we are healed. We are sinners, and we need forgiveness. And we can find it in only one place, and that is in Christ. Christ brings the new covenant. The thing that Jeremiah looked forward to, we have received. So church, I encourage you this day. Draw near the Lord. The way is open. The, the door is open. It said Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and the life. He is the door, and he, the door is open. What are you waiting for? 
What are you waiting? What are we waiting for? The door is open. The Lord's like, you can come to me whenever you want. And many of us, we sit by the door. We talk about how beautiful the door looks. Many of us, many of us, we go to our favorite favorite restaurant in the whole world. Maybe you go to Red Robin. Maybe you go to. Oh, that's all I got. Maybe you go to Red Robin. <laughs> they had that one single laminated menu back in back in front. You go there, get the menu, they bring you water, and that, that menu looks nice. There's pictures, it's high gloss, well made, designed well. Oh, that burger looks so good. Look at the menu, and we sit there, and we never order anything. How crazy is that? This menu looks so awesome. You ready to order? No, I'm good. <laughs> that's how we are with the Lord. We talk about him, think about him, hear about him, and we never, ever order. We never go into his presence and kneel and bow and rest in him and find the healing for our souls. And we wonder why we're falling apart. My feet are not on solid ground. I encourage you, church. The new covenant Jeremiah promised has come. It's come in Christ. And the door is open for all of you. And I want to encourage you. Go to Jesus and find comfort for your souls. There is, life is hard. Here at Flip City, we promise you no deliverance from the hard. It might get harder. Inflation might not be done yet. We might see $5 a gallon. Who knows what happens next? I don't know. I don't know what happens, happens next. Got election Tuesday. I don't know how that plays. But I know this, what happens next, if we are in, if we are with the Lord, we're okay. To quote Habakkuk from last week, even if the fig tree has no figs, even if there's no corn in the field, even if there's no cattle in the barn or sheep in the pens, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in God my Savior. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, in this room there is real struggle. There's real discouragement. There's real wounds. There's frustrations. All the things we carry as people. And that mountain looks so big. Help us put our eyes upon you. Help us take our eyes off the waves and the wind and look upon you and remember, you have us, you have this world, you have our family, you have our hopes and our fears. Thank you for a new heart. Thank you for this new access to you. Thank you for the forgiveness you bring. Jesus we exalt in you, our Savior. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen.